Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode, Kiss of Death podcast, number one Houston Rockets podcast for the Fans First Sports Network. Mike Brown, that's Pops. Jeremy has the night off. Pops, how are you? Michael, doing great. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm just just tickled pink. Uh, We are less than a week From training camp, Rockets open camp on Tuesday. We, once again, the only podcast in the game that's going to be going live after every single Houston Rockets game this season. It's going to be our fourth year doing this. After every single game, we'll be live on the Facebook page for the Dream Shake, the Kiss of Death Twitter page, and my personal Facebook page. So, Uh, We want to be the most interactive show. It's going to be a little different than last year. No Spotify Live this year, but we're going to go live on all three platforms right after every single game. The podcast will be published that night. You guys could go on Twitter? Yeah, we're live on Twitter right now. Oh, so I have Twitter. Uh, Well, you you have it downloaded. I don't think you know how to use it, but yeah, (laughs) you, you have it. 
Uh, so what we're going to do is we have uh, before training camp opens on Tuesday, we're going to be live or I'm going to be live tonight, Sunday night, Monday night, 830 p.m. Central Time uh, tonight and Sunday. We're going to go over the top 10 questions. Sorry, nine questions, the nine biggest questions heading into Rockets training camp this year and the season as a whole. Uh, the show on Monday will be media uh, coverage of everything said at media day. Uh, we won't be live during media day, uh, but Monday night, 8.30, we'll have a full recap of everything said at media day on Monday. Do you so, not have anything else set for Monday night at 8.30? Uh, we're going to move Beer Sports Whatever to an hour up, so 7.30 on Monday. Uh, we'll be doing Beer Sports Whatever, our other uh, show you and I do together. But without further ado, uh, let's get to uh, see. I thought about, and there's going to be people who say there are other questions outside of these nine. Uh, I took all of about 25 minutes to put these nine questions together. Uh, so, but I do think that these nine questions, for me at least, are is the foundation, I should say, of a successful season for the Rockets. If these nine questions get answered in a positive way, the Rockets are going to have a great year. Do you want me uh, to answer them? Yeah, we're going to talk about that's that's why we're doing, you know, the podcast is to, you know, to, I'm, I'm this is setting it up. This is called in the business. This is called I know what you're doing. A teaser. If you're you doing will. great. Well, thank you. Um, so we're going to we can talk as much about these questions or as little of, as about these questions. And if you guys want to interact with me on Twitter at Mike Brown underscore 2020, uh, the kiss of death on uh twitter formerly or x formerly known as twitter you can follow us at rockets ffsn so and by the way this is in no particular order so this is not you know the number nine question to the number one this is what i see the top nine questions that the rockets are going to be faced with heading into training camp and this season the first question that i have written down is how good is ime udoka and what I mean by that is we all know what he did in Boston. He was the head coach for a year. He was an assistant in the, in the league for years. His only year as a head coach for Boston, he took a really talented team to the NBA Finals and lost. He then had his extracurricular activities that really don't mean all that much to what he's going to do as a Rockets coach, in my opinion. I think it happened. Boston moved on from him. I think everybody's in a better spot now because of it. But the question that has to get answered is, how good is Ime Udoka? Is he a flash in the pan? And we're going to use that term a couple times tonight because there's a couple guys on this team that could be considered flash in the pants from what we've seen this offseason, last season. But that's my number. That's my first question Okay. that, in my opinion, needs to be answered during not only training camp but heading into the season. Is Udoka as good as we think he is? Can he get, can he take Fred Van Fleet's game to another level? You know, can he unlock Jalen Green? Can he unlock Jabari Smith? How does he rotate in the forwards, Cam Whitmore? Uh, how does he integrate Amen Thompson? How does he deal with no Kevin Porter Jr.? How does he deal with not really having a starting caliber center, yes, I know, don't freak out, Alperin Shangun is our center, but he's not the prototypical center 
but he is more of a hybrid, just like he was dealing with in Boston with Al Horford. Al Horford's not a traditional center, but the way that they played, he was a center. So that's my first question of nine is how good is Ime Udoka? Well, I'll tell you, to me, a flash in the pan is someone who has done what he or she does for more than one full year. Okay. okay. So he had a great team, took Boston to the finals. So I don't know how we can, you know, say, oh, my God, what a great coach because he had a lot of talent. What I think we need to look at is the guy comes from – he was an assistant in San Antonio for – For Pop. Five, six years. I can't, I can't say how many years exactly. Yep. The guy was also a player, okay? And what I like about him, besides him not being Steven Silas, is, Where? you know, you work for Pop. You learn how to do things the right way. You can hate Pop. You can love Pop. Pop will beat you, you know, with mediocre talent. And I think Udoka comes from good lineage. And I think he's going to be exactly what this team needs. So... Yeah. I give you thumbs up. Yeah. So, and it's it's interesting to note, this is something that we haven't talked about at all. I feel like this off season, I totally forgot. He's bringing Tiago splitter with him from San Antonio. Just speaking of San Antonio, that Tiago splitter is going to be on this staff, which I love. I loved watching him as a player. I thought the dude was tough as hell. Um, but it goes back to those, those San Antonio ties. It's so funny because people, People talk about the San Antonio coaching tree in the NBA kind of the way in a more favorable light, but it's compared to the coaching tree in the NFL, that if you're going to go get a coach, get a guy who worked under Belichick. Those types of guys haven't had a tremendous amount of talent in the NFL. Guys who have coached under Pop have actually had more success in the NBA. So I I think I, I bring this question up because what's besides just being a, a – awful roster the last three years the Rockets have not had great coaching you know they, they Steven Silas thought it was a good idea to bring in Jeff Hornacek as an as an assistant he wasn't even that good of a player Tiago Splitter had a lot of success in the NBA uh they brought over the shooting coach uh Miller what's his name I can never remember uh Aaron something oh god I know who you're talking yeah, about from Boston tell you a very underrated coach that he brought over is Royale Ivy. And yes. Yeah. I'm not yes. saying that because that's one of my Texas guys. Royale Ivy just happens to have a very, very good reputation. All ben around the NBA. Yeah. Ben Sullivan is the guy that I'm thinking of from Boston. Okay. You know, that, between Sullivan, Splitter, Royale Ivy, and John Lucas is still a part of the organization which I like a lot. I love the coaching staff that's in place. It, this is a big one. This, this to me, if the Rockets got this higher right, this could be a playoff team this year. There, there's no doubt about it. There's no question about it because he's going to get the most out of this roster. That's what great coaches do. Think about it, and I'm not comparing the two, uh, Spolstra in, in Miami. Spolstra is known for getting the most out of guys like Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, 
Duncan Robinson, like all these types of guys, great coaches figure out ways to get the, the most out of those guys. So I think question number one, how good is Ime Udoka? We're not going to find out in training camp, but we are going to find out in training camp, if that makes sense. Like we're going to find out how hard this guy is going to push these young kids. I think we'll notice that um, I think what we're going to hopefully see toughness tough. Well, in training camp is we're going to cut out on a, a lot of the stupid, stupid, Lack of defensive plays and the turnovers. I just think you're going to see a more well-conditioned team, and I think you're going to see a, a a much better fundamentally sound team. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you don't rebound, you ain't going to play. If you don't play defense, you ain't going to play. If You're not going to have those stupid turnovers, just like you said, just to quickly piggyback off what you were saying. The Kevin Porter Jr. running the show days are done. Fred Van Fleet, I can't even tell you how good of a pickup that was. Now, how Doka is going to manage the egos in the room is going to be really interesting because to be a fly on the wall of some of these practices, I would die to be because there's no chance that Brooks doesn't try and fight at least two of his teammates, (laughs) which is going to be awesome. Like Tari Eason and Dylan Brooks are going to get into it. But I do feel like Dylan Brooks is going to get the most out of his teammates. Uh, Brooks Brooks come out and said, um, Mitchell, I would trade KPJ for the guy who works down at the the 7-Eleven. It is interesting, though. It is interesting. And thank you, Mitchell, for the question. We appreciate it. Mitchell, good to have you. As always, um, I I think it's interesting The only reason why I don't do this deal is because you already have enough forwards. Like you already have a problem at the small forward position between Cam Whitmore, Jay Sean Tate, uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, whom I think, uh, Jay Sean, what what, Tate, Eason, uh, Whitmore. Who? Yeah, but Buddy Heald's not a, a small forward. He's a forward. Look. No, would I, would I do this deal? Would I do this deal? Yes, 100%. I would do this deal because I trade him for a pack of bubble gum. But, and we're going to, and I'm glad Mitchell brings that up because I feel like we're going to be talking about uh, Kevin Porter Jr. here in a little bit. Um, let's get to, and look, the Rockets are in desperate need of more shooting. There, there's no doubt about that. And he brings up a great point, Pops, that. This team was a bad shooting team last year, which is why, and I know this is going to sound crazy, I hated that deal when they moved Garrison Matthews because Garrison Matthews was actually a guy that actually tried, and he was one of your better shooters when you incorporated him into the game plan. Uh, So I I, I didn't like that deal. I was also a Bruno Fernando guy, uh, you know, because thank God we traded him to get more time for – uh, you know, Usman Garuba, that's another great pick by our genius general manager. Uh, but we'll, I feel like we're, we might get to Raphael Stone right now. <coughs> Let's get to question number two, because I feel like we spent a good time on question number one. Uh, and we might go back to it, but here's my second question. Okay. And this, 
the next two questions kind of align together. And it's a question we've touched on in the past couple of weeks. And by the way, doing content in the middle of the offseason, uh, when there's no draft, when there's no like anything else, it's a little difficult. So we thank you all for bearing with us through those times. Because from now until April, we got games to talk about. We're going to have so much fun throughout the year. April, hell, we'll be into June, dude. <laughs> Good luck to that. Uh, see, this is the other thing. When we start talking about comparing, guys, do you ever notice you can only compare like a black guy to a black guy and a white guy to a white guy? Like we say Garrison Matthews and automatically like Chase Buttinger, like kids thrown around. By the way, Chase Buttinger is a professional volleyball player at this point. It's just so funny. It's not just my buddy Grant, but it's like during the NFL draft. Do you ever notice that when they start doing like player comparisons? Like, who am I thinking of? Oh, oh God, Braxton Berrios for the Jets. Oh, you know, he reminds me a lot of Wes Welker and he reminds me of Julian Edelman. I'm like, oh, okay. I wonder why. Um, but here's see, Marla brings up a quite prison. Mar- Marla. Oh, Marla, happy. Happy anniversary. Yes, happy anniversary. Yeah, uh, Marla and Michael Hurwitz. Wow. 37 years, I believe. Um, oh. So here's here's question number two. Should Raphael Stone be on the hot seat as the general manager of the Rockets? Because I saw this article posted on the Dream Shake by one of our incredible writers. Uh, so much good content coming out right now at thedreamshake.com. You guys should check that out. People say that he should be on the hot seat for how he's handling the Kevin Porter Jr. situation. I totally disagree with that. I think he should be on the hot seat for much more than that because I think he sucks as a general manager. I don't think he's any good. I know there's people out there that will disagree with that. But what is your quick take on that's a question you have to answer because the Rockets are at the point of the rebuild now. They got to start winning games. And they showed that this offseason with the moves that they made to build this roster. You have to ask yourself, is Raphael Stone on the hot seat? Or should he be? Do you think he deserves to be? I think that's my second of nine questions to answer for training camp and this season. I think he should get a let's see how the season goes. Okay. Okay. Because, and you know what? You and I disagree. I don't care if Tillman had everything to do. He still, Stone still had to reach out to these guys. And I get it. Money talks. But I'm going to tell you this. If this team does, if this team. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Exceeds expectations this year, then. We better damn well give Stone the credit if we're going to give him the blame. Well, and, and here's here's the thing, right? Here's my question. He's going to get the credit, right? When you start looking at this roster, you start looking at the construction of this roster. Fred Van Fleet, to me, you don't give Raphael Stone credit for Fred Van Fleet. That goes straight to Tillman Fertitta. You can say that he negotiated the contract, but that's a Tillman move. Tillman has to sign off on that move. Well, Tillman has to say, you know, you know what though, Tillman has to without the off on it, and I get it. But 
Stone is more of a, a day-to-day guy that most of these players are going to be interacting with. You're, you know, you're lucky if you run into Fertitta at the game. I personally think that Stone did have something to do with this. I, I'm just, I'm telling, I'm t- okay. my opinion. No, that's, listen, that's fair. And that's the thing is, I mean, when you have the record that he has, he shouldn't have a job. When you're, when, when you're as bad as he was, wins and losses, they, they're, they've been the worst team in the league the last three years. He should not have a job. Yeah, I disagree. Now, you, which is great. That's why you're here. It's why I love doing shows with you is because we come at opposite ends of the spectrum. Now, what I was going to say before you rudely interrupted. No, I'm just rudely, but okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, unless he was otherwise directed by Fertitta to lose games. Which makes sense, which is why he still has a job. I'm sorry. I must have missed the game where Stone missed those three layups at the end of the game to win. I'm calling BS on that. You know what? That's fair. Listen, that's fair. I'm calling BS. I think. But we all know we all know what happened the last three years. They tried to get the number one pick and failed three years in a row. That's what they did. They tried to get that pick. They tanked on purpose. You'll never prove that to me, but okay. But why though? It, you you don't see it? They've acquired no talent outside of the draft the last three years. The yeah. only time that they went out and signed a guy was what? Oh God, Aaron Baines, and they traded him half a season later? Okay. When you blew up your team with no Harden, no Westbrook, no Ariza, no Covington, if you, who wants to come here, first of all? But there was no money being spent. That's the thing. Fertitta was not spending money. Because I think it wouldn't have mattered if you would have brought in Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Walt Frazier. This was a team that was blown up, and they were building it from the ground. But that's my point. That's why Stone still has a job. Is because he's doing he's doing his job of the direction wanted by the owner, which was to go get the number one pick. And it didn't work three years in a row. So then he said, look, I'm done. Because the, the pick this year, next year, and I think the year after are all going to Oklahoma City. So what did he do? Magically, he opens up the piggy bank and he goes and gets us some legitimate talent. Yeah, but, but to me, to me, and you and I talked about this at dinner last night. To me, Raphael Stone will not make it to next season. I think he's gone by the end of the year. So the answer to the question is, I think he is on the hot seat. And if this goes wrong whatsoever, they're going to move on from him. But the question is, does he deserve to be on that seat? No. Because I think he does. You say he doesn't. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. This is the best roster that they've had going into a season the last four years. Now. This, this is a great conversation, great part of the conversation to lead into the third question of the night. By the way, let's just backtrack real quick. I get it, but the last three picks, whether they were number one or not, I am totally happy with Jalen Green instead of Kate Cunningham. You can say what you want. I'm totally happy with Jabari. Now, Banchero, nice player. Um that might be the only chink in the armor. But I'm going to tell you, 
I, I'm going to tell you right now, before this is all said and done, Amen, Amen Thompson is going to be one of the steals of the draft. Well, but here's the, okay, and I'm I want to I want to respond to that because to me, I, I love what you said and everything you said is true, right? The only decision that Stone and his team made, <coughs> excuse me, was taking Jalen Green over Evan Mobley, which I'm still not convinced was the right move. Okay. Got it. I got it. Okay. The, the other two, I just like I said, the Rockets had the fourth pick. So they didn't take they didn't draft Ahmed Thompson. Ahmed Thompson fell into their laps. No, that's not, and then there were other guys there. No, for sure. But Jabari also at three was the best of the three. And everybody knew that going into the draft. So what well, but the let me ask you a question. Let's say they would have gotten this the first round pick that second year. Okay. The consensus all year, Jabari Smith. We would have picked Jabari Smith number one anyway. I don't think so. So we Bancaro. got Bancaro would have gone one if the rock because that was everywhere. If the Rockets had the number one pick, they would have taken Bancaro. And that's that you're you're almost making my point, right? Because when you start looking at this roster as a whole, right? The savvy moves made by the front office trading up for Shangun. Which I, I I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. And we're going to talk about Shangun probably on Sunday's show because okay. uh, he's uh, towards the bottom of the the question list, not on purpose again. Um, drafting Tari Eason, which love Tari Eason, uh, but then you start looking at Cam Whitmore fell into their laps at twenty. I don't give him credit for that because he drafted him. We just named three other guys. I'm still not convinced Green over Mobley. When you start talking about the Dylan Brooks, the Fred Van Fleet, you're the the glue of this roster was either fell into their laps in the draft or moves made by the owner that make a lot of sense and make this team better. That's not Raphael Stone. Well, but Mobley, you know, if you listen after the playoffs last year, Mobley got a lot of criticism for just not being very good in the playoffs. Okay. And I get it, great player. Great rebounder, great shot blocker. He's a 16 and 9 guy, and he's also a center playing alongside another center in Jared Allen, which is tough. That's a tough spot to be in, a la what's going on in Minnesota with uh, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Two centers going at it, you know, playing with each other, playing basketball with each other. Um, it's tough. Like, that's a really tough spot for both of those guys to be in. If well, I get it, and as much as I you know, I, and I, I'm I'm learning to like. I think Sangoon Sangoon is a point center, okay. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I think Sangoon with the right coaching, which between Splitter and Adoka, I think Sangoon can be 16 and nine. Oh, listen, and he was nearly there last year. He was a 14 and nine kind of guy last year. And right. ironically enough, if you're gonna if he's gonna learn from a guy, I love him learning from a Tiago splitter because they have very similar type games. I think Shangun is a much higher ceiling than splitter does, but I like that correlation of both of those guys learning from each other because they have similar games. Um, let's get to that third question for today. Don't think Green won't be a part of this somehow too. Who? Elijah one. I don't know if Shangun can afford him. I don't know if he's got that 50 grand. Uh, I think Bertita will just, you know, increase the price of the shrimp a little bit. So it is good shrimp too. Um, this is this is a much broader question. And again, these are questions that 
need to be answered, not only in training camp, because training camp starts on Tuesday, but for this Rockets team to answer throughout the 23-24 season. Because I do think this is a really important year for the Rockets. And, oh, Michael, every year is important for the Rockets. No, what I'm saying is there's a lot of things that are going to happen on this roster that are going to dictate how this team is built the next three to five years. What do I mean by that? If a Joel Embiid becomes available in Philadelphia, if De'Aaron Fox, you know, happens to to go, that situation goes south in Sacramento, is he available? Uh, Things like that you need to look at and you have to figure out what you actually have on this roster. The third question that I wrote down, can the Rockets become a contender under the ownership of Tillman Fertitta? I think, and hopefully this is a thought-provoking question. It's not. This is not a yes/no. This is not an A B C D. This is not a. You've got to think about. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to give a little background on the question. When the Rockets were right there in seventeen, he tried to go get Andre Iguodala. He didn't go into the taxpayer. Uh, you know, he didn't pay the luxury tax like he could have, like what was done in 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 Golden State. He was right there. That team needed an Andre Iguodala, and they could have been the NBA champions. And if they win in 17, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, we're not going down that road. But the question is, for the last three years, my answer to this question was, hell no. They couldn't – he couldn't, you know, build a contender to, to save his life. And, and you and I have talked – we've done shows together. that We've done almost 500 episodes of, of you know, this podcast – and I've been very critical of Fertitta, but this offseason, he showed me something. With the signing of Fred Van Fleet, with the signing of Brooks, that's putting your money where your mouth is, finally. Right. I don't know if I'm sold on, on him being the right owner for this team, but I like him more than I did a year ago. I think Fertitta is one of the biggest egotistical maniacs who fair I watched him during and you and I went to that the 17 season when he sat courtside this guy wants to host a trophy so bad he can crap it out so an answer to your question is a really interesting visual if you ask me I think if this team has any type of success this year and he sees a chance to put himself in the spotlight, then I say, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's so many different types of owners in the NBA, right? I think the the lion's share of Rockets fans know who Tillman Fertitta is. I think of the owner of maybe the Boston Celtics or whoever owns the Bucks. if they were walking down the street, you really wouldn't know who they are if you're a typical NBA fan. But Tillman Fertitta puts himself out there on MSNBC. You know, he does all these different, he had a reality show. But this is a question that Rockets fans, are you going to go spend your hard-earned money on tickets and memorabilia and hats? Well, you and I will. But (laughs) to to support a team, in a franchise, and a roster, and an organization, however you want to look at this thing, do you go support a guy that you truly don't believe can build a winner? And it's so hard to do. But I'm – see, I'll go back to – I, I see, I don't care 
who the owner is. Okay, everybody in the out in Miami. Well, none of, nobody watching this show alive. Everybody hated Joe Robbie, the owner of the Dolphins. All of a sudden, the Dolphins go undefeated, win two Super Bowls, go to three in a row. Everyone loves Joe Robbie. No one cares who the owner is. Oh, it's fair. Just win. Yeah, and Al Davis did say it best. And there's so many. You know, would you would you prefer a guy like Steve Ballmer with the Clippers? You know, Steve Ballmer building this, you know, billion, you know, multi-billion dollar venue for a team that hasn't won anything ever. That Kawhi can't play 20 games a year. Paul George is hurt every other day. You know, I, I don't know. So th- that's why I said that's why I say this is a loaded question. But in my opinion, it's an important question to ask because he's going to be tasked with some very difficult decisions to make with this roster because it's clear this roster is not good enough to win a title. If you're listening to the show, first of all, thank you. We're, I'm not. You and I are both not illogical fans. Oh, it's a it's a brand new season. The Rockets have as good a chance to win uh, the the championship as anybody. No, they don't. They're not going to win the title this year, which sucks. Buddy Steve says they were trying. They weren't trying to win. No point in paying big bucks. Look at the amount of money he's put into U of H to help give them a competitive advantage. I think the question more if Rosetta Stone can build <laughs> a winning roster. That's fair. And the thing is, I don't trust Stone. That's where these two questions, and that's why they're back-to-back. Great question, Steve, or comment. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I don't believe in Stone's ability to do it because you look, he's lost more draft picks than he's than he's won. Ty Ty Washington, gone. Usman Garuba, gone. Um, I'm trying to think who else um, is just sitting there. Well, but let's just oh, Chris Bradley. Three three first round picks the last three years, you're not going to hit on all nine. Sorry. No, it's not that you're not going to hit on him, but then he trades away those guys for absolutely nothing. Because he was, okay, now let me ask you a question on that, okay? Because A, he was trying to clear cap space for- Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez. Well, in the beginning. And then Lopez screwed us. And, um, but let me ask you a question. Garuba and Washington have been cut twice now. Yeah. And they well, cut them. Oklahoma City cut them. It's not a it's not necessarily they're they're bad players because I don't think that they're bad players. It's it's more like they just don't they don't fit. And that's I think Ty Ty Washington is gonna stick in the league. I just think he has to find the right situation. Make or break year for Jalen Green, too. Dude is underwhelmed. He has an underwhelmed numbers-wise, but I get where Steve is coming from because this kid was supposed to be a superstar. Players around the league love this guy. Like, they rave about Jalen Green. Who was it recently? It was Miles Turner. Miles Turner, yeah. your boy, University of Texas, loved or loves Jalen Green. I do agree with Steve, though, that he's got to be – it's got to be a fringe all-star year for, for Green. And we're going to get to Jalen Green. Well, and 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 I'll, I'll I'll say this, and I you know Steve made a really really good point, but I'm going to tell you this. Jalen Green has carried this team for the last three years. Okay, yeah, you can say what? what you want. Yeah, but carried them to what? The worst record in the no, league. That, 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 no, that doesn't matter. He has this. He had to carry this band of misfits for the last three years. 
Kate Cunningham. Did what did he do? He had a better team with Detroit. Oh, but he was hurt last year. Okay, shocker. Well, they they shut him down for draft positioning, which is wrong. We all know that. If you're a Pistons fan, the the seven of you, like I, we know that they shut him down on purpose. I agree. I, at least Jalen Green played through it to me. That shows some nab. That's right. He he almost played every game for sure. And like I said, when you know, it's like. You know, you want to put, um, you know, Moses Malone out there back in the day with four guys from the YMCA. You know, it is what it is, you know. I, But I'm going to tell you what, I think now with Van Fleet, I think Green doesn't have so much responsibility bringing the ball up. I agree. Taking well, the pass. So. And I think having Dylan Brooks is going to be so key. Oh, for my God. Dylan. I hope that's a question. No, we're gonna the, the we're gonna do four questions tonight because we are running a little short on time. The four questions, my uh, yeah. no, like Passover. Yeah, it's not Passover. Uh, we're gonna pass over the uh, the ability to do the four questions. Can we um, do so Dylan Brooks is the fourth question? No, okay. uh, we're gonna do questions one through four tonight, five through nine Sunday night, and then we're gonna do media coverage on Monday. So, but they weren't in order. Okay, we're going to move on to the fourth question. We um, spent, like I said, about 25 minutes putting this whole thing together. Um, the fourth question that I have, and this is more in the immediate, we've talked about this, but we'll talk about it a little more in depth now. My fourth question is, how do you resolve the Kevin Porter Jr. situation? Because I've seen a lot, and, and Marla talked about it earlier, and I, you know, we'll showcase the, the comment. Uh, prison. Yeah. Look. There's a lot of speculation about this whole situation. And I'm here, you're here, Jeremy's here to give our opinions based on, you know, situations resolving around the Rockets. This is an ongoing legal situation. And I'm not trying to cop, it's not, this is not a cop out, no pun intended. This is a, how does it affect the Rockets? I want to keep it there because there, there are certain feelings that I have that you have that, quite honestly, don't belong on a basketball podcast. How does this impact the Rockets? How does his salary impact the Rockets? How does him not being on the roster? Do you cut him? Can you trade him? Should you trade him? Should you attack? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Draft compensation to move him. Do you, do you put in other players in this deal? Can you package him and a Jay Sean Tate together with a first round pick. What does that net you? 
things like that are the the conversations that are ongoing. If what what he did is true, he's a scumbag and should be suspended for at least a year. The way I see it, but I don't like the people who are saying, "Well, you can't trade him; he's untradeable." I'm like, you need to realize, I'm not talking. People are not talking about trading the player, Kevin Porter Jr. You're trading the contract. You're trading the exactly. Teams are going to look at this situation and say, okay, we'll take him on. He'll never play for us because we're going to end up cutting him and the NBA is going to suspend him. But if the Rockets want to move on from the situation, we'll unload one of our bad contracts if they're willing to give us a first-round pick to do it. Those are the types of things that the Rockets have to figure out. And he won't be at training camp on Tuesday. I, Dad, I will, I will run – pantsless through the streets of Meyerland if, if Kevin Porter Jr. is at training camp on Tuesday. He's not going to be, but I, I will put that out on the air now. I, I don't think he I don't think he's going to be there. You can't do that to Doka. You can't put him in that position. You can't do that to the other players. Quite honestly, it, it would be a disgusting move by the Rockets front office to say, you're in this situation. Here, go to training camp. No, you can't. And first of all, if they cut him, if there is a clause in in his contract, which I would assume there is because this is not his first brush with stupidity, dumbassness, then they can cut him in a, with a morals clause and that contract is, is void. And they have $16 million to go spend, okay? Yes. And I'm glad you bring that up because, again, ties into the question that we asked tonight. Should Raphael Stone be on the hot seat? Do you trust Tillman Fertitta? All these things are intertwined because this is a very delicate situation. Because I think if the Rockets – first of all, the NBA has come out and said, you cannot cut him, which is a really interesting – I mean, the NBA came out and said – and they, they notified the players' union, you cannot do anything with him at this point while this is under investigation. So he's going to remain a Rocket. But then the next day, Sham Sharania comes out and says the Rockets are actively trying to trade him. So you can't cut him. You can't say, okay, whoop, gone. You have to, but you can trade him, which doesn't make any sense. I, this whole This whole thing is just... I hate it. Like I hate it for the but first. You can't of all, blame Stone and for they had no, nothing. No, to this. no, absolutely. First of all, and it, and it deserves to be on record. There's one victim in this, and that is the young woman who got brutally assaulted in that hotel room. Period. That is the victim in this situation. The Rockets are not the victim. Kevin Porter Jr. is not the victim. Family members, whatever she is. Period. End of story. And I hope she gets the utmost justice that she deserves. So that goes without saying. Um, but that's a, that's the, the fourth and final question for tonight of nine. How do the Rockets resolve this Kevin Porter Jr. situation? Because it is. It's not a good look for the Rockets to have this guy on their roster. Well, see, I was going to say this. Um, let's say he is. You know, he they do this and he has been declared innocent 
okay? Dude, they they will catch wherever they go. They this guy will get the fans will be all over this guy. Okay, it's bad enough, and I'm not going to say bad enough in a bad way. I mean, let's face it, we got one of the main villains on our team now, which I love to death. So we could do is Dylan Brooks. Okay, say what you want. Dylan Brooks is a villain from the fact that the guy is lethal, can go off at any time, will go after anybody's player. He's not dirty, but he he pushes the envelope. But I'm going to tell you, we have not had a guy like this since Vernon. Well, but the difference between Dylan the villain. Ah, you see what I did? I did. I make a T-shirt. Dylan the villain and KPJ the dumbass. There's two different things, okay? One's a villain because he's a bad guy. One's a villain is because he pushes the envelope to the brink, but he never... Don't forget. ...does anything stupid because he may or may not. Well, don't forget Miles Bridges, who beat his wife in front of his kids and got arrested for it, still in the league and still employed by the Charlotte Hornets. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not, well, first of all, doing that is wrong a million percent to the nth degree. He's still in the league. Ron Artest went into the stands and beat the, you know, beat up fans. He was suspended. He came back to the league. I'm not, and I'm not saying Kevin Porter Jr. deserves to come back to the league, not come back to the league. There are people like Marlo, whose opinion that I respect, a lot more than a lot of other people, she says right to jail. I've seen people say, let him be suspended. He deserves to come back to the league. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. I hope he gets the help that he desperately needs, and not just based on his potential involvement in this uh, in this incident, but the fact that he tried to fight John Lucas at halftime. He had incidents at USC that nobody can find any information about. He had an incident that got him traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers to the Rockets for a second-round pick. Uh, he's He's been on pretty good behavior the last year or so until this last incident. So I pray for, for him to get the help that it appears that he needs, and I hope he becomes a better human being. Take out the fact there are people that talk about his basketball ability. Leave his basketball ability at the door. This is a human being that needs help. Well, not only does he need help, that I think he needed it in college with some of the things that he did. Absolutely. Cavaliers decided, well, you know what? He was upset that some some one of the new guys got his locker, so he decided to turn over the entire buffet table. You know what? We're going to trade him, okay? We're not going to help him. But I'm going to tell you this. He's the he Even before all this, he was still considered – the odd man out, okay? He wasn't starting. He's not starting. Um, well, and that's that's partial. That's on the Rockets because the last three years they tried to turn him into something that he's not. He's not a point guard. I've said it for I said it for three years. So many people are like, "Oh no, he's a point guard." Was said on this show. Um, okay, so okay, so he wasn't going to start at either guard. Let's say either guard. Position. Oh, for sure. But he was still getting paid. He was still on an eighty-two million dollar contract. He threw away 80 plus million dollars. 
And who knows if he's ever going to come back to the league? Well, and I think what it'll tell me, too, is and out of respect for John Lucas, okay? Yeah. This guy went after – I mean, went after Lucas last year. Now, I'm going to tell you what. There's not a tougher SOB in this world than John Lucas back in the 70s. I mean, let's face it, you know – Porter Jr. got a hold of him. He, he beat the shit out of him. But what, what I'm trying to prove is they had to pull Porter off of him last year. He pushed Lucas. He took Lucas's tablet, broke it, and then he left at halftime. I get it. I get it. But how much is enough? Well, it's we're there. He's never going to play for the Rockets again. But this is going to be a question. And you got to think, and this is the last thing we'll say, and we'll wrap the show up. Even if he's not there and he's not going to be, people are like, oh, is he going to show up? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Stone's going to get asked about it. Fertitta's going to get asked about it. Udoka's going to get asked about it. And his teammates are going to get asked about it. And I, quite honestly, everybody, if I'm them, I have no comment. Let's talk about the team. Let's get ready for the 23-24 season. This is the most exciting brand of Rockets basketball we should have the last four years. It's time to get excited. Listen, man, I'm stoked. I mean, getting ready and talking about the things tonight. We got a heck of a show planned for Sunday night. Monday, we're going to have all the media to discuss. It's going to be sensational. Well, see, and I agree with you. And, you know, you you either do no comment, which is, you know, or you just say, you know what? It's totally out of our hands. This is being handled by the league. I would rather talk about the guys that are here. Absolutely. And this is going to be a good look for Fred Van Fleet is a pro's pro. You know, Dylan Brooks may try to fight the reporter that asks him the question. Uh, so that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, we got something named a Jock Landale is going to be there to be asked questions. He's Australian, which is going to be fun as hell. Uh, but this has been, God, episode 36, Kiss of Death, episode, I think, 470 overall. For uh, once was Harden my take, then the dream take, and now the kiss of death. Thank you all for being along with the ride, being along for the ride, I should say. This is going to be, quite honestly, probably my favorite year of the four years that we've done this show. Because I feel like we're going to have fights. We're going to win games. We're probably going to go to the playoffs. Dylan Brooks might try to fight a popcorn vendor uh, (laughs) before the year is over. Um, But make sure, hang out with us all year. We're going to be here. If you're on Twitter, uh, or I should say if you're on the X, formerly known as Twitter, follow the Kiss of Death at Rockets FFSN. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Brown underscore 2020. Follow uh, Jeremy at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. All of our podcasts, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, will be posted the night that we record them. We never edit. This is raw Houston Rockets talk. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight and for the rest of the year. It's going to be a great year. Uh, it's 919, and that does not change the fact that the Utah Jazz never have and never will win an NBA title. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday night. And until next time, Rockets fans. Go Rockets.